Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast, post-game edition. The Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Aber from the Oklahoma here high atop Owen Field after Oklahoma escapes with a 42-41 to win over Iowa State on Saturday night. I'm joined by fellow beat writer Abby Bitterman and columnist uh, Barry Trammell. And uh, Abby, we just got to start off with the the end, the craziness of the end. Oklahoma led this game by 21 going into the fourth quarter, but it came down to an intercepted two-point conversion before the Sooners could put it away. Well, first I would like to say that you made fun of me on the last podcast for my well, first, I would like to say that you made fun of me on the last podcast for my um, accidental 42-42 to 42 pick, but doesn't seem so silly now, I, I does it? I still believe the rules of college um, football do not allow for ties any um, longer. But no. <laughs> I mean, there's pro- yeah, I there's but I, I got I got it a lot closer than anybody else did. Could have potentially ended at a tie at the college level. I've covered ties at the college level. I've covered ties at the but no, that that ending that ending there was one of the more wild OU endings I've seen in a while. I somebody you it might have been you. Um, somebody mentioned it to me uh, that it was really similar to the um, the play in 2015 that someone was in that same Ryan. end zone, just the different yeah. side <laughs> against TCU. Oh really? Okay. okay. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. Lincoln Riley I think someone. I think game. someone said to me before that. I thought of it too. It reminded me because yeah, beleaguered defense ends too. up. Defense makes um, a play. That was. Yeah. Uh, you talking about that? who? Who? Yeah, who made Stephen the, Parker made. That's that play. right, Stephen Parker. Yeah. I still. I. I said that. Yeah, who made Stephen Parker? That's right, Stephen Parker. Yeah. I said this to Barry before, but. The the ca- the interception that Parnell Motley <laughs> oh, yeah. almost had at the beginning of the game yeah, was, was such a simpler catch to make than that catch that he made at the end. Like, it was mostly he was just blocking the ball, and then it kind of ended up, like, rolling into his arms, and then he just secured it. And I still I don't fully know like yeah, it was really I, the weird, angle that I saw it at. I was like, right how, did you, how did you come away with Parnell that? Parnell Motley all of a sudden comes out with it, and they're celebrating. Doesn't go down in the books as a turnover, but... At this point, Oklahoma, like Barry likes to say, use all ambiguity to your advantage. And uh, it's been a while since the Sooners had had one of those on the defensive side. So What goes around comes around. Last time they play, game ends, a little bit of a controversial situation. OU doesn't get that onside or gets the onside kick. It's overruled. The truth of the matter is, Pernell Motley interfered with that number seven for Iowa State. He had his arm pinned. That's why the guy didn't catch it clearly, but he's in a big crowd. It's hard for the refs to see. Heck, I couldn't, I couldn't even tell who, if it, who made the catch for the longest time. So, can't blame the refs, but that's why that ball was sort of floating free there and yeah. Motley grabbed it. Um, but it, it's a case of, you know, the Sooners, whether we like it or not, the truth is this Oklahoma team is just not that much better than anybody else in the Big 12. It's all just a big pile up. Pretty good teams. Yeah, I think I they're think all about even. We've thought for a good chunk if, of the season yeah, that this Big Twelve was deeper than it had been in a long time. That uh, there was a, a chunk of teams 
there that weren't that there wasn't that much separation. But for most of the season, we thought Oklahoma was right. know, far and away above any of those other teams. Well, it turns out that, like you said earlier, Barry, I think it was when we were riding up the elevator that it turns out OU's right in that uh, that group yeah. as well. Well, look at it this way. Well, you just played three teams with a winning record. And we're nine games in, so we, we sort of know who's halfway decent and who's not. They beat one of those teams by seven. They lost to another one by seven. And they just beat the third one by one. So how could anybody say that Oklahoma is really the, the cream of this crop? How could anybody say that Oklahoma is really the, the cream of this crop? I think that um, – you know, if Oklahoma plays the way it played in the first half all the time, then, you know, they could, they'd just be blowing teams out of the water like they were the first half of the season. But, you know, it got asked a lot, I feel like, in the, in the post-game press conference and stuff, you know, what exactly happened in the second half. And, I mean, I, I could be wrong, yeah, but I didn't I mean, really ha- hear anyone not really. have a good answer Although, for it. The, the the fourth quarter. It could be too early to figure it out. Quarter, that could be something they have to go back and watch. The Oklahoma's tape turnovers. To find out, only one wound up uh, costing them points, but the the first one, the C.D. Lamb fumble, wind up costing them a, a possession there that they they could extend. The, you're shorten the game there uh, on that one. They weren't able to do that. They fumbled on the second play of a drive, and then uh, Iowa State winds up holding the ball for what was it 12 plays uh, almost seven minutes winds up turning the ball over on downs they're coming off of it uh, but it was a horrid fourth quarter for the Sooners there's not any question about that they did get that stop you're talking about but they got outscored 20 to nothing in the fourth quarter did they have a first down in the fourth quarter? I'm not sure they did. Um, they did not, I don't believe. No. Yeah. That's not good, in case anybody's wondering. Yeah, it was It was a bad fourth quarter. So, um, But, you know, the fundamental thing is they needed to win and they won. Actually, Barry, I take that back. They did get one first down. Oh, they did. Uh, uh, Kendy Brooks. Rushes for six yards on the the second their next drive after that uh, after uh, Iowa State turned the ball over on downs. Kennedy Brooks rushes for six yards, gets his face mask pulled, and okay. Iowa State gets a fifteen yard penalty off that. So their only first, first down, down was via penalty. Correct. Oh, okay. In the, in the fourth quarter. So their only first down was via penalty. Well, that's what they wanted to bet. Jalen Hurts. Oh, you want to know? Chalk one up for Jalen Hurts. We'll talk about Jalen Hurts a little bit. Uh, later, but uh, in in one of these next segments, so we'll talk about him in the the, the second segment. But um, Barry, the defense. What to you is the most concerning thing about what we saw tonight? Oh, quarterback containment. They really couldn't contain. You know, they did such a great job with Sam Ellinger, and you thought this team. You're going to give up big pass plays. That happens to anybody and everybody. And Iowa State's really good on offense. So, but they really didn't. They did not contain Brock Purdy, and he's. But they really didn't. He's a good quarterback. He's a really good quarterback. But let's not pretend that he's Kyler Murray or somebody. Somebody you can't no. get your hands on. And they really didn't contain him. And sometimes he ran for yardage, and sometimes he he got loose to throw. And you know zero sacks. He got loose. Six total touchdowns. 
Yeah, and so yeah, to five me, passing touchdowns the first time. Six total uh, touchdowns. A quarterback had thrown for five touchdowns against the Sooners since I believe 2017 Bedlam. Yeah, so it's uh, that to me was that they just didn't contain Brock Purdy. Oh wow! And that to me, you know, they did a pretty good job on the Iowa State wide receivers. They didn't do much, but the tight ends ended up hurting Oklahoma and. Brees Hall, the tailback, the freshman tailback, proved to be very good. He had he had some nice runs. So it it was a little bit more regression, I would say, for the OU defense. Um, yeah, and you could you could tell like kind of the the anger yeah, and the frustration the in Alex Grinch. Might not be over, but you can see it from here. Yeah, they're about they're about to land back. You know. Yeah, that that flight from Jamaica is is uh, yeah. on descent. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, somebody's about to fart at the <laughs> breakfast table. Somebody's about to fart at the That's what's going on. That's. I don't know why I said that. That's a line I got. That's a line my uncle sprang sprang on me about. 40 years ago, and I've been sitting on it for four decades. But it's true. It's true. The shine's off the rose. Uh, it's not. Well, it's not good. It's not good defense. And, uh, Iowa State had the ball 12 times tonight and had six touchdowns. No. That's what OU's offense did. So, you know, that's, that's not good. So, uh, that defense is regressing into the – you know, it's pretty pretty far back. It's not the worst defense in the Big 12. It's not going to be, but it's not very good right now. Yeah, So, but we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about uh, Jalen Hurts, the offense, probably some more of the defense and, and what this means moving forward. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, alongside Abby Bitterman and Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman, and this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoman. Uh, I'm Ryan Aber here again with Abby Bitterman and Barry Trammell. And uh, Barry, we mentioned Jalen Hurts earlier. Jalen Hurts' numbers wound up uh, looking, I don't know, not as overpowering as some of the numbers that he put up this year, but still pretty good. 273 yards, three touchdowns, the one interception there in the fourth that uh, was really costly. Ran 22 times for 68 yards, but uh, and for two touchdowns. What did you make of of what uh, what Hertz was able to do today? I thought it was his worst game of the year, mostly because of decision making. Um, I think it's the first se- series of the game. He throws that slant right into the arms of the uh, Eisworth or. Ellsworth, whatever the guy's name is for Iowa State, should have been a pick six. Should have been about a 50-yard pick six. He drops the ball. Um, The next possession, he throws an out pattern, similar situation. I don't know if the guy would have taken it to the house, but he would have got close. He dropped the ball. He's really not I think I sort of saved on a tip uh, there early as well. Yeah, and he's just – and then, of course, the late interception when you're up seven, he throws the pick. Uh, gave Iowa State a short field. I thought it was his worst game, and most of it was decision-making, throwing into traffic, those kinds of things. I thought the rest of it, he was pretty good, you know. He 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 uh, pulled the ball probably most of the time, the right times, gave it to Kennedy Brooks at the right times. 
he targeted your good friend C.D. Lamb 11 times. <laughs> um, well, Maybe it needs to be more, but I'm pleased that they threw it to him 11 times. Um, if they had thrown it to him seven times, they might have lost this game. So um, I thought it was his worst game, and he's got to play better than this um, for the Sooners to excel. Yeah, I, don't, I think there's no doubt about it that Jalen Hurts has to perform better starting next week against Baylor for Oklahoma to, to succeed. But Abby Barry mentioned it. Kennedy Brooks or C.D. Lamb tonight, excuse me, was fantastic. Kennedy Brooks was pretty dang good as well. But C.D. Lamb, eight catches, 167 yards, two touchdowns, like Barry said, 11 targets. But the two touchdowns were just phenomenal oh, yeah. plays. There's the one where he, like, I'm looking at the field now and he just ran all over it to get there. I mean, um, Spencer Davis has been keeping a, a thread on Twitter of – uh, screenshots of like CD Lamb scored on this play, and it's always like a screenshot of a situation where it looks it looks like he's going to be tackled by one of five opposing players surrounding him, and he like his ability to escape and run after the catch. It seems like he could score almost any time he has the ball. On uh, I think Jenny mentioned it um, today when we were watching the game that he hasn't um, returned a punt re- uh, a punt for a touchdown or a kickoff. And honestly, I feel like that's probably the most su- surprising thing to me about CD. But he, well, when, he, mean, when he catches it from Jalen, he's, he's gone. Here's the thing. One, OU doesn't need to try to return punts for touchdowns. They just need to sort of be conservative and get the ball into their hands of their offense and be happy with it. The other is I wonder and Barry – I think we've talked about this uh, before. Why on earth do you have CeeDee Lamb back there? Why not just put Drake Stoops back there, have him catch it, and put the yeah. ball in the hands of your offense? That's you know, a good he, question. He got beheaded on that one play. so Yeah, that was yeah. You don't a want scary that. hit that he took early. You don't want that. Bounced right back up from it, it looked like. Also, I feel like nobody really returns punts that it's much It's harder anymore. than ever to return punts because of directional punting. Yep. So I see very little reason, unless he's the only guy on the squad that can catch one. And if he yeah. is, then put him back there. Um, but he's dang exciting, and he's a wonderful player, and he's their best yeah. player. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt yeah, about CD that. Lamb's right now, their best player. Um, yeah. You know, I uh, I've got it all mixed up. I said all last September, I kept saying CD Lamb's the best player. CD Lamb's the best player. Then of course, soon enough, we figured out Kyler Murray's <laughs> pretty good. This year, I hadn't said it at all. Turns out. I should have been saying it because he's yeah. the best player. Yeah. What What to you, Barry, was the most more impressive of CD's two touchdowns tonight? Oh, because the, the one was the catch. The first one was the catch. The, yeah, the first uh, one was he, the catch. The made. other one was the run. Probably the catch. Because I think the, the catch because it was different. And it was a strange play. Uh, Iowa State was in position, and he just sort of out jumped the guy, or and not just jumped higher, but timed it better. Um, soon as that, soon as the ball was in the air on that uh, that screen over here coming towards <laughs> us, you could tell this was trouble for Iowa State. Yeah, because OU had it blocked or had it set up to block well, and CD in the open field is is a total load, and he found that seam going diagonal across the field. Um, I thought, and generally once he does that, yeah, then I thought Iowa State. To their credit, made it tough on him in the last five yards because I thought it was a sure touchdown. Yeah, once he no, got they around did. the corner, 
But they closed fast, and they had two guys down there, and they made him they made him squirm to get in the end zone. Yeah, but he got it in the end zone. Speaking of blocking, I feel like that's just another thing. That well, yeah, I was. CD, yeah, CD what I was going to bring up the uh, Kennedy Brooks yeah. uh, touchdown run. Sorry, Abby, the uh, the forty eight yard touchdown run there late in the third, which at the time looks like it sort of puts the game away after a, a shaky start to the second half for the Sooners. They sort of right the ship with a, a good defensive stop, come up with uh, with that big drive that ends with the Brooks 48-yard touchdown run, and C.D. Lamb just puts a heck of a block on an Iowa State defender to completely take him out of that play and spring Kennedy Brooks free. And, you know, Kennedy Brooks uh, obviously wasn't, a, wasn't an easy play to make, but it sort of looked effortless uh, because – Really, the only time that he got a serious shot of being taken down, he just sort of stops and lets a guy blow by him right after that CD Lamb block, and uh, then he just accelerates again and he's in the end zone. Yeah, I feel like blocks like that, you know, are pretty pretty regular for CD Lamb and for you know he's he's a he's pretty tall, but to me, he's always not seemed like the biggest player on the field he he really he he really has some strong looking blocks against against guys and he's done it like pretty regularly too barry is it time to ask is cd lamb the best receiver in oklahoma history i mean obviously he's not going to get the yardage that that brian burles had and uh you know heck even catching sterling shepherd in the, in that regard is going to be difficult but it seems more and more like You've got to start at least having that conversation. It's a great question. I probably ought to write about it. C.D. Lamb is the best receiver of the of the air raid or the this, the twenty years of the twenty first century. Yeah. he's the best one. He's better than Mark Crichton. He's better than Ryan Broyles. He's better than Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard. He's better than all those guys. D.D. Westbrook. D.D. Westbrook. Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown. He's better than all of them. The one guy that you still might say he's not better than is Eddie Hinton, who did not play back when they threw the ball <laughs> right. around the way they did. He was he was a wingback as much as anything, but he was a phenomenal player. If he played for Mike Leach or Bob Stoops or Lincoln Riley, uh, you'd see the same things going on that you see with, with C.D. Lamb. But C.D.'s a wonderful player. He might be. C.D. might be the best receiver in OU football history. He really might be. Yeah, it's, and it's crazy to be having this conversation just uh, you know a year after having the conversation about Marquise Brown and where he fit into everything. Obviously, I think I wrote about this at some point last year, Marquise Brown and C.D. Lamb. Could you call them the best duo in OU history? But uh, certainly C.D. Lamb has just taken off after a, a really slow start to the season where – at times, it looked like Charleston Rambo was going to be the lead. Well, was the leading receiver on this team early, and then it just turned out that uh, you know once Ceedee Lamb got the opportunities, he was absolutely going to make them happen. I think that also, I mean, OU has really done a good job of like spreading the ball out between its receivers, and I think that while while you while you know you go to CD for the big catches and the big plays, um, you know. I think that's the thing that's going to keep him from having the yardage like some of those other guys you mentioned is just how much OU likes to spread the ball out between receivers. Yeah, and I I touched on this when I wrote about CD uh, in the middle of the week that 
you know, he's, I think he at the time was the 10th leading receiver in the country. Heck, there's a good chance he moves up today. But the amount of catches he had was significantly less than anybody ahead of him. I think it was 13 less catches than anybody who was ahead of him on that, that list. And, heck, uh, quite a few people behind him before you got to somebody that was within that range of, of receivers. But today they definitely spread the ball out. Uh, 18 catches to uh, was eight different receivers. Jeremiah Hall and Charleston Rambo were the only two other guys who had multiple catches. So they uh, they spread the ball around. But we're going to take a, a quick break here on the, uh, the Sooners Extra podcast. Um, we'd really appreciate it if you shot us a review on the Apple Store, the Google Podcasts app, or wherever you listen to us. We really appreciate it. And thanks for tuning in each week. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast brought to you by Zaxby's. Uh, I'm Ryan Aber here with Abby Bitterman and Barry Trammell. And Abby, uh, going into this game at 7 o'clock when this game started, it had been a pretty good day for Oklahoma because of everything that we saw around college football. Oh, yeah. We had uh, Minnesota knocking off uh, Penn State. We Row had, the boat. Uh, uh, Alabama and LSU, I think, obviously, that game uh, was wrapping up about the time this game started. That sort of plays out as a wash as both those teams were undefeated. But uh, Kansas State comes out with a win over Texas. Or, excuse they, me. Didn't Texas, it happen the other way? Yes, Texas. Sorry, it's late. It's after one o'clock <laughs> it's in the morning. Very late. Uh, Sunday. Texas now. does knock off Kansas State. Maybe the one thing that didn't go Oklahoma's way. But what I was searching for is that Baylor hangs on to beat TCU, preserving that uh, showdown next week between the top two teams in this league right now. Yeah, and I mean, it's well, it's a good thing for OU that Baylor held on. First of all. Um, college game day is going to be there. Um, but, yeah, definitely. I think that um, Baylor has had two very close games the last two weeks. And, I mean, OU has two, clearly. So it'll be interesting to see what happens between between the two teams that we're calling the top two teams in this league. Yeah. Like I said, there's, I don't know who – I don't think there is a top team in this league. But it was a good day for the Sooners. And at halftime, it was a really good day for the Sooners. The second half, from a, so about 9.15 to 10.45, the good day sort of went splat. Um, clearly, OU is in better shape than it was when it woke up this morning. But it's still not in good shape. Um after after seeing Alabama lose at home, especially what time? What time let's see. Four thirty this afternoon. Four thirty this afternoon. It's thirty three to thirteen LSU. Yeah. Right. And you, you know, if you're the com- if you're uh, the committee, or if you're a studier of the committee, you think of what they did to Ohio State last year. They don't like it when people uh, get beat bad. Well, I mean, heck, even what they said last week about Oklahoma, Kansas State. And the what they said on the what Rob Martin right. said on the teleconference about how that comeback helped the Sooners yeah. in their eyes. So it, it was working out perfectly. But then Alabama comes back and at least makes it respectable, and then the Sooners blow a big lead, 
I don't think have we said this 194 times in history. Make it 195. 194 I guess. times in history. OU's led by 21 points or more at halftime. 194 and 0. And they almost, you know, they come within a <laughs> a little catch of of losing. So they lost some of the brownie points they built up all day. Uh, but still, the truth is, Lincoln Riley is right. Today showed a little bit of the madness. Penn State was a bit, that was a big game. Losing to Minnesota was a big game because now there's not going to be an 11 and one um, Penn State right. that could grab a, yeah. a berth. Um, so if Ohio State will take care of business and win out, Ohio State, Clemson, SEC champ, if Oklahoma can win out, you know, they got a shot. They got a shot. Yeah. But here's the problem. Winning out is the issue. Now, the committee's yeah. the least of their <laughs> oh, problems. Yeah. Yeah, the committee beat, is not OU's problem anymore. Well, they've got to, yeah, they got to beat Baylor. They got to beat a, a TCU team that performed well today, um, especially How defensively. I've seen oh, yeah, Iowa. Bedlam looks like I've yeah. seen Iowa they State. they got to figure out a way to slow down Chuba Hubbard. I've seen the last two Iowa State games. Brees Hall and, uh, you know, what K State did to him on the ground a week ago or two weeks ago. I've seen the last two Iowa State games. One of those games, Iowa State was at home. The other, they were on the road. And Oklahoma State handled Iowa State better than OU did. And Jenny said the same thing a couple weeks ago about Kansas State. She watched um, uh, Oklahoma State's defense contain Kansas State a lot better than Oklahoma's could. So, And, I mean, heck, Oklahoma State forced Brock Purdy to throw three interceptions. Three picks in the last quarter. Didn't look. I mean, aside from that two-point conversion play, didn't look like he could be t- he could be stopped by the Sooners didn't, today. Didn't force him to do much. No. So it, we're saying that to say this: the Sooners are, if they win this, if they can get to twelve and one, well, then now you know you got to tip their hat to them because that proves they got some, uh, they got some guts, they got some, they got some chutzpah because. This is not a, this is not a juggernaut. Remember back in September, we thought they could might be a juggernaut. Yeah, yeah. They're not a juggernaut. No, I we've, mean we we figured that out. They're not a juggernaut. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is not as good as we thought he was four weeks ago. The defense is not nearly as good as we thought it was four weeks ago. Yeah, the the crazy thing, Barry, when you talk about the defense is, uh, I went looking back at turnover numbers because. Now this is the fifth game officially. Again, yes, Parnell Motley had the interception, but it was on a two-point conversion, so it doesn't count as a, a takeaway in the the stat book. But uh, was wondering, you know, when it when was the last time OU went this long without a turnover? Could only readily just quickly find the the stats, the records for the last twenty years. And the thing is, it hasn't happened more than two games in a row. There hadn't been a stretch of three games in a row during the, uh, you know, starting with the Soups era, so the modern era of what we think of as OU's football success. And now they're at five games and counting. It's probably a school record because I mean, you would think so in the old days there were turnovers all the time. Turnovers all the time. Even you know people used to throw fifteen passes a game, and three of them would be interceptions. So, and 
back in the option days. It wasn't just Oklahoma that was fumbling. Is anybody that ran the yeah, you know, the wishbone was doing a lot of fumbling. So people were not nearly as careful with the ball as they are now. So it's probably a school record. Yeah, it's probably a school. Which record. is crazy that uh, you know this will be if that's the case that'll be the s- stretching of a school record in that case, and then obviously the uh, the. the, the the tailback carry numbers that we saw a week ago that uh, we we think was a, a record as well. But Barry, looking to next week at Baylor, like Abby said, uh, or excuse me, Abby, looking yeah. to. I guess we'll let you talk now. So <laughs> I'm trying to divide these things up equitably. Um, next week against Baylor, you know, we've thought for the last few weeks this could be a big time showdown and. Uh, Baylor escapes yet again what their uh, fourth Big 12 victory of uh, three points or an overtime. (laughs) Baylor's not even better than anybody else. Yeah, they just found a way to escape. And, of course, when you've got Stephen F. Austin, UTSA, and Rice as your three non-conference games. Baylor's needed five overtimes to get to two of their wins. Yeah. Yep. And – and they barely beat West Virginia. Now they they came back and whacked Stoichu pretty good in in Stillwater, and they they handled K State pretty good. So I still give them chops for that. But I like OU against Baylor in case anybody's wanting a sneak preview. Yep. Because here's how you here's how you beat OU or get close. You got to score. Right. For all we and can talk about OU's problems tonight, Jalen Hurts tried it out there twelve times and they scored six <laughs> touchdowns. Right. The, the offense wasn't the issue. I They're going to score. Clearly. They the, scored on Georgia. They scored on Ohio State. They scored on Alabama. They're going to score on Baylor. Yeah. So, you got to score on them. That's what Iowa State did tonight. Iowa State said, you know what? We better start scoring. And so, they did. Yeah. And Baylor didn't really score against TCU until that yeah. game got to overtime. Yeah. No touchdowns. All right. Here's the I deal. Thought. Here's the deal. I watched an SEC game today. That was a 46-41 <laughs> track meet. And I watched a Big 12 game in which no touchdowns were scored in regulation. Which one of these is the oh. uh, which one oh. of these is the crazy kooky uh, conference? It's the upside down. It's ev- everything, yeah. It is the upside down. Yeah. Um I was just going to say I saw a tweet from Zach Sanchez uh this afternoon that I thought about <laughs> the Baylor game that I thought was funny. Um Zach Sanchez tweeted I knew Baylor was a fluke, but Damn, just win the game so we can beat y'all as a top 10 team. Um, And I think that, I don't know, I think that goes back to what Barry said about how none of the teams are are exactly what we, in the Big 12, are exactly what any of us thought we were, what they were. And, you know, Baylor, you know, they're number 12 right now in the college football playoff. But, like you said, they have like three wins by how many points? Less than a touchdown, well, right? It's either yeah, three points yeah. or overtime. Yes, because so, today's was six. Oh points, yes, but it okay, was in, yeah. What four overtimes? Barry? Three overtimes. Three overtimes. Three overtimes. So I don't know. I just think that it's. I I have no idea what OU is going to get with Baylor. They seem to be really all over the place. Is how I feel about it. Well, you never know. You, right, you never know. Two years ago, Baylor went 1-11. Yep. OU 
had its best <laughs> team of the last ten years at least. The seventeen team was and the best. Baylor still scored. It, it was forty nine forty one, and Baylor led in the led in right. the second half. So you never know what you're going to get in Waco, yeah, especially on a Saturday did. night. I've never that been was... to Waco for the new stadium for a day game. Yeah, it's always every time been... I've been oh, yeah. for OU or OSU. It, they play them at night. Yeah, it's been a night game. Hopefully, it won't be pouring down rain like it was. No, the rain uh, doesn't bother me. We don't have to go out in it. Once we get in, we don't have to go out in it. That's true. Well, hopefully, it's not pouring down rain on our walk That'd uh, be good. from from the parking lot. Um, the, the last time that OU played down there, that was what, Abdul Adams, the 99-yard run game? Yes. Uh, yeah, 49-41, yeah. Had, yeah. Uh, so, uh, be be interesting to the see Baker what happens. The Baker Mayfield Who's Your Daddy game. <laughs> We'll see what happens on uh, Saturday night down there in Waco. ESPN College Game Day will be there. Of course, uh, we'll be down there. there. But uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Sooners Extra Podcast brought to you by Zaxby's. You can uh, reach out to us. Uh, You can reach out to me on Twitter at R-Y-A-B-E-R or through email R-A-B-E-R at Oklahoman.com. Abby? I am at Abby underscore Bitterman on Twitter, abitterman at oklahoman.com on email. Barry? Um, See what Barry's got for this this segment this time. Just call me, 405-760-8080, for crying out loud. (laughs) It's always the best way to get in touch with Barry. I like that. But uh, the Sooners Extra Podcast, once again, is presented each week by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere.